You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Good morning. Great to see you in worship. We're launching a mini-series for uh, Christmas titled, Give This Christmas Away. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Matthew 2. We're going to look at 12 verses. Uh, Brett read the passage completely uh, in the launch of our service. Unfortunately, uh, our, our uh, population was a little less than it is now, so you missed that reading. So we'll figure that out in the future, probably read it later in the service. But think about this beautiful idea of giving this Christmas away. And when I look back on the past few weeks, I think there's much to celebrate. Wes, when you've been so generous. So let me say thank you on behalf of our leadership, our staff. Uh, You've gone all in already to give this Christmas away. Let me show you a few pictures. Uh, You know we had a partnership, right, with WAX. Uh, Waukee Area Christian Services. Uh, Dave Wall did a great job representing that ministries on the board. But Chelsea Gaspery, our children's director, for the past month rallied our kids to bless the socks off this ministry. And then yesterday they went to uh, just be a part of the work there across town, get a tour. But they uh, put together five boxes that are going out to families in need in our community. We celebrate that. And then we encourage you for another ministry we partner with. It's called Single Parent Provision. Well over a thousand women get together for a banquet tailor-made for them. And we had the privilege to be a part of that, to serve, to bless, to encourage. We had 50 bags out there to pack for these these gals, these families, and 40 of them were taken over the past few weeks, filling up. We get to partner with that ministry to bless them on that special occasion. And then finally, last week, we introduced to you the uh, Waukee School Christmas tree, uh, the giving tree. There's a lot of families in our community, and sometimes we're not aware of the needs through the holidays, and holidays can be somewhat discouraging. So there was 28 gifts that we asked you to take one and wrap, buy, wrap, and we get to give away. Last week, all 28 were taken, and families came to the tree looking for things that they could uh, purchase and bless other families. So what we decided to do was populate again the tree so there's a lot of gifts still that you can uh, go out and shop with your kids and, again, bless families in need in our community. So when I think about this idea of giving this Christmas away, you've already done it. And thank you so much for participating. The passage we're going to look at this morning, Matthew 2, 1 through 12, probably familiar if you're aware of the Christmas uh, story. But hopefully this morning, you're going to see some new things and maybe some aha moments that are going to challenge you into the Christmas season to truly give this Christmas away. And so Matthew 2, 1 through 12, if you have your connect card, I always like to start with the blessing, and the blessing is this. Each one of us can give this Christmas away by embracing the resolve of the wise men. Why do I use the word resolve? It's a great word in the missile home. 
when Ellen and I are struggling with some things or we're falling short of, of the glory of God, loving each other as Christ would uh, have us or whatever it is, we, we look at each other and prayerfully say, let's resolve to move forward. Where do we get that from? We get it from Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, in a precarious situation in a pagan nation called Babylon, resolved to live godly in a pagan context. When I studied this passage uh, this past week, I saw these wise men resolved. They were absolutely all in, fully devoted and committed. And so that's what I'm going to call you to today to be resolved for three things as we move into Christmas 2021. So let's take a look. Resolve number one and how fitting to pursue Jesus, to pursue Jesus. Again, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 2, let's look at the first two verses. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now I trust that this passage captures your imagination like it does mine. It's the only book of the four gospels that records this story. Why does Matthew record this? Well, Matthew's Jewish. He had a radical conversion. He was a tax collector. Jesus says, hey, Matthew, drop it all, follow me. Matthew did. He got to write one of the four gospel accounts, and his primary goal is to set Jesus apart as king. Don't miss that. That's the reason this story is here. If Jesus is king, we got to tell this story about wise men coming from great distances to pursue King Jesus. And so what I did, very practically, when I study the Bible, I just ask questions often, hopefully questions you might have. So the first question I want to ask is, who are these wise men? Who are they? And I think the text answers it pretty clearly. They're individuals who are coming from the east. The Greek word is magos. Magos is a plural pronoun for individuals who were learned in the ancient world. They had master's degrees, PhDs. They were the educated class. They were part of the priestly community. And yes, they're astrologers. There's astronomy. There's enchantment. There's a lot going on you know, 2,000 plus years ago. But let me show you a picture of where we get an idea of who these guys are from the book of Daniel. If you recall, Daniel was taken into captivity around uh, 600 B.C. He was taken into a pagan place called Babylon. He served God faithfully for four, under four kings. And here's what it says, one of his faithful servants. King Nebuchadnezzar appointed him, meaning Daniel, chief of the diviners, mediums, Chaldeans, and astrologers. That's what we're talking about. This is the upper echelon in the educated world. These were the priests and the PhDs. And so learned individuals, put them in that category, are coming from the East to pursue someone. And his name is Jesus. Now, the question is, where do they come from? What does the text say? 
Twice in the text, it says that they're coming from the east. Now, the center of the world in the Bible is Jerusalem, right? East of Jerusalem is Babylon, Persia, or Arabia. So distant countries, they're coming from afar off. And so uh, one of the things we have to uh, consider is how far off? Well, let me encourage you in my studies, if it's Babylon or Persia, that's a thousand miles one way. Would you agree that's a pretty serious trip? From door to door, Adel, Iowa to Buffalo, New York, where my mom lives, it's 900 miles. That's a truck. I'd rather fly than drive, okay? If they're coming from Arabia, which is where I believe they're coming from, modern day Yemen, the peninsula down there in the Red Sea, it's 1,500 miles one way, 3,000 miles one uh, trip from coast to coast. Would you agree with me that's a pretty serious distance to travel to look for a baby? Now, let me show you their mode of transportation. It's not one of those supersonic kind of things. You ever ride a camel? No, I'm serious here. How many of you have ridden a camel? Students? You ever go to the zoo? What would you think? Pretty cool? Yeah? How long did you ride it? 10 minutes, kind of up and down the park. Yeah, and you had a little guy who kind of escorted you. Yeah. Well, could you imagine riding a camel for 2,000, 3,000 miles? I was in Egypt some time ago, Israel some time ago, rode camels twice, rode them for a little bit of a distance. They are not comfy, folks. This isn't first class. You know what I mean? These are the rear seats near the toilet in the back of the plane. This isn't comfort. Now, let me show you some of the, the, the uh, land they traverse. This is called the Ascent of Adamin. If you go to Israel today, this is one of your bucket list things. This is the last road that Jesus took from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's the coolest place. You can hike it in one day. Don't go alone. It's not safe. But it is super fun. Just imagine coming from South Arabia, modern-day Yemen, 1,500 miles in a caravan on a camel. And this is your last trek. And where are you heading? To the center of the world, Jerusalem. And you're talking to King Herod and inquiring about someone. Now, let me show you a map just to give you perspective. So you see Egypt, right, to the south. There's Cairo, there's Israel. I do believe they came from uh, modern-day Yemen and the Arabian Peninsula in the ancient world. And I'm going to give you three reasons, and I think they're valid. Number one, because frankincense and myrrh were harvested only down in that area by the peninsula. That's a fact. That's what put them on the radar screen in the ancient world. They were very wealthy in the first century. We have that historically. Number two, we have this idea of uh, modern-day literature that testifies of Bedouin communities in that area that point all the way back to this event, a star a baby, and even today, which is 2,000 years later, those people groups uh, identify with them. And so it's pretty remarkable that these folks would invest a trip of potentially 3,000 miles to pursue Jesus. Now, most importantly, here's the final question. Why did they come? And that's why you uh, have to ask some of these questions to do some probing, but I think the reason is very clear. 
because God revealed himself to them and they are responding to revelation of God. Now, why do I say that? I want to show you a few things. In the passage, there's three revelations. The first one is what I call the astrological revelation. Look at verse 2 of Matthew 2. Notice, and sometimes we miss the details. For we saw whose star? His star in the east, and we came to worship him. Look at verse 9 of Matthew 2. The star they had seen in the east, it led them until they came to Bethlehem. Matthew is putting a lot of weight on this idea of his star, a personalized star. I would call this a miraculous event. The second thing is God revealed himself through dreams. Again, we might miss this, just passing over the text, but look to uh, verses 11 and 12. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country another way. So Herod's trying to trick them, hey, go find this baby, report back to us. And of course, Herod would have killed off the holy family and the holy child. So we have an astro astrological revelation, his star. We have dreams given by God, and we've seen that in the book of Luke and in Acts. Now the final one, and this is pretty remarkable. Look at verse 2 of Matthew 2. The wise men's inquiry in Jerusalem was very specific. They ask, where is he who has been born who? King of the Jews. So my question is this. How did these learned, wealthy foreigners, potentially from Arabia, know about a king whose ethnicity is Jewish, who has a designated star? They're giving us details of revelation. Where did they get this revelation from? It's very clear to me when you understand biblical history, there was a lot of influencers in Judaism in the ancient world, in Babylon and in Persia and Arabia. You know who the influencers were? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and just so you know, youth, these are young people. And they were great influencers. Esther became queen as a teenager. Great influencers. They're living in the east. I've already suggested that Daniel lived under four kings in Babylon. And he was a God-honoring man. He was resolute in his lifestyle. So the word of God is getting out. The Jews are becoming influencers in a pagan world. And guess what? Their influence had quite an impact. Let me show you that impact. Esther 8, 17 reads this. Track with me. In every province, and Persia was the largest empire in that day, 127 provinces, and in every city, wherever the king's command and his law reached, joy and rejoicing took place among the Jews. There was a celebration and holiday. It's called the Feast of Purim. We celebrate it today. And many of the ethnic groups of the land Guess what? Profess themselves to be Jews because fear of the Jews had overcome them. And so, folks, here's what happened. The Jews' influence in pagan countries like Babylon, Persia, Arabia was far-reaching. And in the one period with Esther, who there was going to be genocide, and God turned the story around and saved his people, what happened? their influence multiplied and many in the ancient world professed to be Jewish. And then I would assume had 
influence from the scriptures, understood the revelation of God, had some of the Bible. Now let me show you one verse they probably were aware of. It's found in Numbers 24, verse 17. This is a prophetic passage that points to Matthew chapter 2. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. Think about that. Think about the Hebrew parallelism. A star and a scepter are in parallel in the Hebrew language. It's poetic. What is the star? A star will come from who? The people of God, the 12 tribes of Israel, from Jacob. And then a scepter will come from Israel. What is scepter a picture of? It's a picture of the king. I have a hunch that they knew that truth. And then when they come to Jerusalem, they say, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star coming from a great distance, Babylon, Persia, Arabia, and we're here to do what? To worship him. And so it's, it's quite remarkable and so the question is, what's the lesson for you and, and me? And please don't miss this, folks. This is key to the passage. God is a God who reveals. And when he reveals himself, he's calling us to response. That's the beautiful picture. Do you realize every day you get out of bed and you walk out the door and you look at creation you see a God who reveals the heavens declare his glory. Day by day, he's communicating to us through creation. What a beautiful picture. But not only that, he communicates through biblical revelation, his word. 66 books written over a period of a thousand years. Over 40 authors from all walks of life saying one thing, God loves you. And he's offering restoration. He's offering fellowship and renewal through Jesus Christ's son. That's the biblical narrative. He's revealing himself. And then the final kicker, Jesus shows up. He's born as a baby. And it's a miracle. The Holy Spirit conceives. Mary gives birth. And we have the Christ child. Jesus grows up. He teaches. He heals. He blesses. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God is revealing himself. He says, I and the Father are one. God wants you to know him through Jesus Christ, the Lord. Hebrews chapter one says this, that Jesus is the exact representation of God the Father in heaven. He's a, he's a God who reveals. So God revealed to these wise individuals. He revealed through astrology, his star, he revealed through scripture that there would be a king coming from the ethnic group of the Hebrews, which is this tiny dot on the map, and they travel great miles to worship Jesus. And so what do they do? These wise individuals, these learned men, they respond to God's revelation, and they seek him. And so the encouragement for you and I as we give this Christmas away is to respond similarly, to seek the Lord. Let me show you a few verses that are beautiful. Deuteronomy 4.29, God told the nation of Israel, and the application is very clear for us. But from there you will search for the Lord your God, and you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. 
One of the things in the faith journey of Christianity that's so very important is that we take personal responsibility for our faith. And that doesn't mean we don't get help, we don't get counsel, we don't go to Bible studies, life group, certainly worship, we want to give you the word. But day by day, we have the privilege to seek the Lord, to experience his his revelation of himself through creation, through his word, through his son, through his spirit, through the faith journey. King David wrote in 1 Chronicles 16, 19, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord do what? Rejoice. We talk about joy in Christmas. The scriptures are very clear. There will be joy when we seek the Lord and find him. So that is the great privilege you and I have is to pursue Jesus like these wise men, to respond to God's revelation. What a miraculous thing that you and I have the word of God. The Bible says that God has put his word on par with his name. This is truly a holy Bible. And I hope we revere it. And I hope we love it. And like Jeremiah says, I hope we eat it. It becomes the delight of our soul. Like Jesus says, man, woman should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One final exhortation, Isaiah 55, 6. The prophet said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. That's the privilege this Christmas. To not let Christmas 2021 pass by, but to pursue God like these wise individuals did. And so the encouragement is this. Grow your relationship with Jesus by intentionally seeking him. Folks, this is a personal thing. This is a decision that only you can make. I married a godly gal, and she seeks the Lord very intentionally, literally almost every day. And it's, it's so cool to, to be inspired by her. But I can't live off her faith necessarily. I have to make the same choices every day to pursue God. And yeah, you might be in Bible study or life group or D group and and faithful to worship. Thank God for all of that. But what about the daily practices? What about tomorrow? Hopefully you're going to get a meal today or a meal at life group. But what about Monday through Saturday? We got to be self-feeders. We got to seek the Lord and find him. And here's our commitment as we go into 2022. We're going to do everything possible to assist you. And so we're working as a staff on things for like Bible reading plans. Uh, there's apps. If you don't have version, download that thing. There's Bible plans there. There's prayer plans. There's a lot of things you can do to seek the Lord. And we're going to encourage you as we enter the new year. But one book I want to recommend uh, this morning. Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. I think Pastor Jason read this. I did. It's one of my favorite books. You know what it does? It identifies nine pathways for you and I from scripture and from lifestyle where we can experience God. Some of us love to learn. And so there's more of an academic approach to pursuing God. Some of us here are activists. You want to get involved. You want to get your hands dirty. And through that, You get to experience God. Some of you just like to serve. Just give me a broom and I'll sweep, I'll serve, and you get a lot of joy out of that. 
talked to one of our elders who was serving yesterday. That was his experience. And if you're a little bit stuck, and maybe your faith journey is a little bit dry, I would encourage you, walk through that book. Find your sacred pathways and seek God with all your heart. You know what will happen? You'll find him. And you'll stand in awe, and there'll be great joy. Secondly, resolve number two, and this is fun, resolve to worship Jesus. And so here's the encouragement. You pursue Jesus, and the result is you worship Jesus. And so stick with me. After a long, arduous journey, and again, round trip, two to 3,000 miles, no question about that. Babylon, Persia, or Arabia, those are your three options. Long trip, you finally show up, right? You're inquiring, hey, go to Bethlehem, ah, the star led. And what's the first thing they do? They bow down. And they worship Jesus. I don't know, again, folks, if that seems remarkable to you, but it does to me. These are the most learned individuals in the ancient world. At great cost, at great risk, at great time, at great investment. They travel, and there's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. They bow down and worship. Can I encourage you? When you think about giving this Christmas away, the wise men give us a great model to follow. It always begins with worship. Think about what you did this morning. You got up, got the family ready for worship, you came and you started to give. Because that's what worship is, it's giving. And you're giving of yourself in song. You're giving of yourself now in listening. And Lord, how should I respond? There's gifts of resources, time, treasure, talent, and touch. There's people in the back with our kids who are giving to our kids to bless them in Jesus' name. Our hospitality ministry, our worship ministry, all pouring themselves out to see one thing, Jesus worshiped. So when you think of giving, can I encourage you? Or worship, think of the word giving. Now, Let's look to our passage. Verse 11. What did they give? Then they opened their treasures. And and literally, it should read treasure boxes. They opened their treasure boxes and presented Jesus with gifts. There's three of them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I know this is an old story, and so many of you guys just kind of been there, done it. But I had asked the question, is there any significance of these three gifts? And I do think there is. Gold in the ancient world was given to honor those who were royal. I think in presenting the gold, they're saying Jesus is king. Frankincense um, is, is used basically in worship, in temple worship. And so when they gave frankincense, what are they saying? Not only is Jesus king, he's God and he's worthy of worship. Now the last one, myrrh, is really unusual. And if you study uh, myrrh in the ancient world, you'll see that it was used for a variety of things, perfume, aromas, and so forth. But you know what ultimately it was used for? It was used as a death spice. The ancient world, when a person died, they would wrap them in spices as their body decomposed over a year. Could it be, just could it be, In God's sovereignty, in these three gifts, he's saying, gold, Jesus is king. Frankincense, he is God and worthy of our worship. Myrrh, in his birth, they're forecasting his death, a death spice. He is savior. I don't think that's a stretch. I think that's reality. And what a beautiful picture 
because the reality is, folks, Jesus was born to die. That's not morbid. That's the greatest gift. We sung about it. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son. When we believe in him, we won't perish, but have everlasting life. So think of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He's king, he's God, he's savior. What a beautiful picture. And so here's our challenge. Prioritize giving as an essential act of worship. We talk about that a lot at Westwind, to be generous with our time, our treasure, our talent, and touch. But there's two things that stand out to me in the giving in this passage. The first one that stands out, giving of presence. Just imagine again, on camel, rugged roads, ancient world, very hot, very humid. This is desert country, right? No air conditioning. They travel to be present and worship Jesus in person. This is corporate worship this morning. You're present. Thank you for that. And God is honored when we worship him corporately. The scriptures command us to never forsake the assembling together, as such is the habit of some. And it does happen, folks, for a lot of reasons. But secondly, they gave of their possessions. And it's beautiful because in the ancient world, these were the best of the best gifts. They gave their best. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. King, worship God, and despite Savior. And so how does that apply to us? Well, let me share with you how it applies. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions with the first fruits of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled. Your vats will overflow with new wine. We call this first fruits. We call this the concept of tithing. That's what it is. But notice the word honor. That's the same word for worship. Worship the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Think through how you use the resources. Now I'm talking finances, yes for the kingdom and glory of God. This morning we have a uh, video for you that hopefully will encourage you with this idea of honoring the Lord uh, with your wealth. What I love about it is it comes from our children's ministry. Let's take a look. Hello, my name is Barrett. Hi, I'm Megan, I'm Barrett's mom. I'm Jason and I'm Barrett's dad. When the Extending Our Reach campaign for the new building came out, our kids both wanted to be a part of helping get a new building, get a new church. Uh, we definitely wanted to get the kids involved in it, and uh, Barrett kind of calculated how much he makes doing chores and things around the house, and he figured that uh, he would be able to raise about $50 a year um, to go towards the project. I thought I could get 150 in three years. Barrett chose to pool as much money together as he could, um, as quickly as he could, in order to fulfill his pledge, first and foremost. We had chores. I mow the lawn, and I get some money from that. The work that he did was... Uh... Life 107.1. Three. 
You gonna mow today? 87. It, it, it was a learning experience, we'll say. I can't say that Barrett is the most consistent with his chores. Oh, it is it? No. Uh, he tries his best. It went good for the first few months, and then I st started to stop doing it a little bit. But then I remembered my pledge and started doing it some more. He has fun with it, though, um, and really enjoys serving. Here we are now in December, uh, just under a year, and he's uh, been able to complete that already. It feels good to be done with it already because I don't have to worry about having to do it again. Um, he recently told us that he's happy he did this and now he can continue saving his money and be able to give even more to the church um, now that this pledge is out of the way. And he you know, also decided, hey, if I take care of my pledge obligation now, um, I can be more generous with my money later, uh, which we thought was pretty cool. Um, I'd encourage YouTube so that the building doesn't have to have to be just wall and maybe we could have some stuff that isn't just wall and then the floor isn't just concrete and that's actually like has floors that aren't what it was previously. So Greg, Cole, let's get working on this concrete stuff, okay? <laughs> Counting on you guys. Wasn't that cute? But boy, that's it, guys. What a blessing. What a testimony. Resolved. Would you agree Barrett was resolved? It takes commitment. It takes devotion. It takes heart. It takes passion. And so we wrap up this morning, resolve number three, to give allegiance to Jesus. Please stick with me because this is so important. There's a natural progression through this passage. Number one, they pursue and find, right? God pursued them, they responded, they found. Number two, in finding, they worshiped presence, possessions. And I love this next one. Pursuit, resolve number three, to give allegiance to Jesus. Look at verse 12. Herod was a barbarian. Can't go into all the detail about him, but probably the most revealing is a little later in Matthew. When he finds that he was tricked, he says, slaughter all the babies in Bethlehem two years and younger. That's just one of many things he did. He killed his wife, he killed family members. He was a paranoid, schizophrenic, megalomaniac leader, hated and despised in the ancient world. That's just the cliff notes. And so what happens is, and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their own country by another route. That's allegiance. Why? It's risky. Herod was known in the ancient world. We talked a few weeks ago about him building these palaces, at least five, Caesarea, uh, Masada. I mean, the list goes on and on. 
And so he was known and he was a threat to people. And so here's this entourage on camels. Now granted, camels can run, <laughs> but so can Herod and his armies. And so the risky business was, will I obey God or man? And often that's a choice in our life. Where will our allegiance go when we think about giving this Christmas away? And so their allegiance went to Jesus. They're all in. One of my favorite uh, theologians is a gentleman named Eugene Peterson. And he says this, he says, the Christian life is a long obedience in the right direction. Been a Christian now 42 years, and I can tell you, I constantly have to resolve. Resolve when you're falling short of the glory of God. Resolve when your marriage isn't in alignment. Resolve when the generosity motif isn't being lived out uh, in a proper way. Resolve is part of the allegiance. I'm, I'm committed, Lord. And, and we go all in. So let me show you the potential route. There's only two routes they could have taken. Here's the one I chose. I like to whet your appetite to go to Israel. So they went back down the ascent of Adamine to Jericho, and then they followed the Jericho uh, uh, going south into Egypt along the Dead Sea. There's an ancient map, I won't go into the details, but it's called the Badaba map, and you can look it up, that shows potentially these wise individuals escaping um, you know, through the Dead Sea, through the Red Sea, and so forth. We're not sure, but we know this absolutely. They were all in at risk of their lives to say yes to Jesus, to be obedient of faith. And so think about the beautiful progression this morning. God pursued them through revelation, right? General revelation, astrology, the star, his star, special revelation, the word of God. And so they come, they respond to God's pursuit and they find Jesus and become worshipers through presence and possessions. Now here it's obedience of faith. They go home fully aligned to walk with the Lord. One of the encouragements today then is this, the truth that I take away from these three, not three, from these wise men is allegiance is the byproduct of love. And why do I say that? In John chapter 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I command. In other words, Christianity is a faith of love. We love him because he first loved us. And when we respond to his pursuing us, he's the hound of heaven, it's just a response of love. When we worship in presence and through possessions, it's response of love. When it's obedience of faith, when we give complete allegiance, even at high cost, risk of death, it's motivated by love. And personally, that's one of the things that I enjoy so much about Christianity, that it's a love faith. The Bible calls Jesus the bridegroom and his church the bride. There's no more beautiful metaphor than that, than the wedding metaphor, the husband and wife metaphor of faith of love. And so we're going into Christmas. The question is, will we be like these wise individuals? Will we pursue? Will we worship? Will we be in allegiance and alignment with God's will? Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for one gospel that records this incredible event of an entourage of learned individuals coming from great distances responding to your revelation and pursuing Jesus, finding Jesus because they search for him with all their heart. Lord, give us that kind of heart of worship to worship through our presence, to be here all in, our possessions to honor you. And then, Father, what a, what a great response to say yes to obedience out of love. So as we think about giving this Christmas away, would you do a work by your spirit that only you can do? Personalize it, Lord, to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.